0: One of, my, one of the games I made, like, it was, it was called Owl Hunter, so you had to get kind of this owl into, into a cage, um, and then you'd have to use kind of physics rules and everything to, to get that owl kind of gliding towards the right path and everything. Yeah. So
1: This episode of the Blue Mex podcast is brought to you by One Place. One Place is a co-working office space based in Scarborough. Co-working is quickly taking the working world by storm. Entrepreneurs of all sorts can take advantage of the many benefits offered by co-working spaces. Net One Place is focused on small businesses, entrepreneurs, professionals, and anyone else in between. Their 10,000 square foot shared office space is ready to help anyone make their business dream a reality. Good to go?
0: Awesome.
1: Awesome. awesome. All right, Nima, thank you for joining us on the BlueMex podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Perfect. How are you feeling today? Good, good. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, we met at the pitch at Toronto. No, the uh, pitch competition, the Shanghai pitch competition, yes, at the Markham Civic Center, mm-hmm. right? And um, you were one of the participants for that. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I first heard about Shiftride. Yes. Um, so real quick, can you give me a cliff note? What is Shiftride? And we have this in the background <laughs> for no reason.
0: <laughs> uh, go ahead. Okay. We can continue. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. So uh, basically, ShareFry gives people on-demand access to cars uh, that are owned by other people in the community. So sort of like a marketplace for cars, or like Airbnb for cars. Um, and uh, we provide flexible trips. So if someone wants to go out for their, you know, errand run around town, or whether they want to go visit family outside of town, they can do that all with ShareFry. Um, and we provide them with insurance. Uh, they book through the app, and there's no kind of wait. It's just on the. Sorry, bent. so this is like an mm-hmm.
1: Airbnb, but for cars. Essentially, yeah, you, you rent yeah, out your cars. Yeah, your, your vehicle. Much. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of vehicles can you rent? Um,
0: out? Well, they, we we have a variety of cars, so um, they're they're all priced differently. The car owner sets the price. So if you want to go on a nice date and you want a nice car, uh, you can you can book, you know, elect, let's say Mercedes for like. $15 an hour or if you want to uh, go out and just get some, you know, groceries, you can rent out a uh, more affordable car at like maybe $7 an hour, okay. so it, it varies, yeah.
1: So how do you price uh, the rental of a car?
0: Uh, yeah, so uh, well, right now we have like two kind of pricing, one is based on demand, so as demand kind of goes up and down, we, we price it based on that uh, to, to allow for more bookings to happen for the car or we can just let the car owner decide and set their own uh, kind of price that they're comfortable renting out their car at.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. so the user or the person renting the car, they set the price they want?
0: Uh, yes, exactly. They, can, they have that, that flexibility. And the option. market
1: kind of adjusts based on if people are buying it or not?
0: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So that, that's another option. So you can either go with your own pricing or let us kind of, based on the demand, adjust the price.
1: Okay, yeah. um, so for you guys who build that model, I'm yeah. assuming there's some kind of intelligence there to figure out what's the best way to price it. Yeah, so How would you base it off? Do you ask people what the average cost was? Like, What was the validation?
0: Yeah, uh, well, like originally kind of when we started um, and we we had kind of a pilot in July 2017, uh, we we kind of priced it at around uh, maybe, I think at that time it was like as low as like $6 an hour or something like that for a car that was like pretty decent, uh, like a mid-range car. Uh, And then from there, based on demand, we just kind of adjusted it. So as we saw that car like be out for like, let's say, uh, you know, most of the day, like at least 12 hours or, or so, then we would kind of bump it up to get it to a level where it, would, it was it was it was decent, so it wouldn't be sitting all the time. But at the same time, it's like the the price would make sense as mm-hmm. a coroner to to have that car. You know, we um, at that time maybe the car was generating let's say 200 dollars a month, but our aim was to get it to like 500 dollars a month, which is kind of what we see now is the average kind of earning on SharePoint as corner.
1: Do you see that people, is your uh, app live yet? Yeah, like yeah, we're know? live, yeah. You're so live.
0: We, we officially launched in uh, November 2017. Awesome. Uh, so we're just on iPhone right now, uh, still working on that Android app, but um, kind of launched one platform, one set of the platform to get it kind of tested first before we, you know, invest more into another app, right? So.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, you you're launched in 2017. Yes. So, about two years now in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. How many people have used the, the app?
0: Yeah. So, we, we have about uh, 1,700 people signed up in total mm-hmm. and about uh, 40 cars listed in total. Um, but, about maybe, I would say, like half of those uh, are, are customers who, who actually use the platform and paid for it. Um, and uh, we've had about 4,000 trips so far. It's um, amazing. And this is all coming from Waterloo. So, yeah. like we these are cars that are maybe within a. Uh, let's say like a four-kilometer radius or so of, of just in Waterloo, uh, which is where kind of we, we did the pilot, we tested it, and now now we're ready to start kind of expanding to other cities as well.
1: That, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So how so you launched the app in 2017? How did you get your initial users?
0: Yeah, uh, uh, great question. So it uh, when so so we launched it in um, kind of end of 2017, but like in the summer of 2017, we did a pilot where we, we actually just opened up a Facebook Messenger bot uh, that we, that we kind of put together in one day using like one of the online apps that you can use. Uh, I, th- I think it was called like Chatfuel or something. You could just build a, the, the chat bot and like, you know, right away with just like drag and drop without knowing any code at all. <coughs> so we built that and then it would just ask people for the basic information. So the, like the driver's license, you know, phone so number, email. So this message them on Facebook? Yeah, so basically people would just go on Facebook. Like you, you don't even need to go to another app, right? So we made it super simple. And, and we just shared it with our friends on Facebook, right? So Oh, so
1: before you had a platform at all, e- Yeah. kind of so together. The, like this was our kind of like MVP,
0: right? Like yeah. the minimum viable product uh, that you hear a lot of people talk about yeah. in, the, in the startup world. Like that was our MVP is to... Is to pretty smart. Is, Yeah, and, and uh, to be honest, like I was kind of against the idea when my co-founder came up with it. And I was like... Uh, you know, I'm a perfectionist. I want everything kind of, yeah. you know, it's uh, one of the to biggest details yeah. of
1: uh, entrepreneurship trying to <laughs> launch a product.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you get stuck in that cycle. But then of, <laughs> I thought about it, I'm like, it might not be a bad idea. You know, uh, so we, we launched it. Uh, we uh, we just shared it with our friends at first. So just on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually one our, our very first booking was just one of our friends who actually owned a car himself, but just wanted to be the, the first one to use the platform and, um, I think he just took the car to go, like, um, mail something and come back for, <laughs> like, 30 minutes. Yeah. I think that booking was, like, $4 or $5 or something in, in, in booking. But, yeah, it was – that's kind of how it was. So, r- that's in, in this started. two years,
1: what do you have found? Like, do people want this, like, for temporary use, like, you know, within a half an hour to a few hours time slots? Or do they rent cars for days or in, weeks?
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we have, like, both sides. Like, we have – um, those longer trips are, are not as common, or not as uh, kind of frequent. People still take them, like if they, if they need to so go to would be the average? To the average is about two and a half hours right now. Two and a half hours? Yeah. People
1: just like, okay, I need two hours for this car.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And they travel mostly within the city, and that's really how we advertise it as well, yeah. uh, is like kind of Airbnb for cars for your short trips within the city. Um, and now we're getting a little bit more flexible with the pricing with the, uh, and with things like that to allow them to kind of keep the car for a day or two if they want to. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And how's the income been for people who put the cars up? Like
0: uh yeah, really? so we we like we start when we started it was around like maybe $200 a month, uh, which was not that great, but we we slowly pushed it more and more up towards like $500 a month on average right now. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of what a, what a car owner can expect when they list their car with Shift Ride. Uh, and that's based on kind of them sharing the car for at least, you know, mo- majority of the time. So um especially on weekends where people like want to take the car for longer.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a great model, but how'd you convince the first few people to put their cars up? Yeah,
0: like- yeah, yeah. So actually the, the uh, when we launched in July, it was just like one car that we had uh, ourselves, like our own car, we just put it up. Um, and it was just one car for about like maybe two, three months mm-hmm. up until when we, when uh, my co-founder went in and convinced actually a used car dealership um, in Waterloo to list some cars with us. They started with three. They were finally convinced. It took a, took a few like meetings where we, we met with them, and they were like, "No, it doesn't work out. We're not gonna. We're not interested." And eventually, we got them to actually test out three cars and just see if it works. Um, especially during that time, we were still waiting for that for the insurance policy that we were uh, working on in order to be able to allow individuals to sign up. So up until that point, we, we could only sign up uh, kind of uh, fleet cars or cars that are owned by like a company. Um, with pretty expensive insurance on them. So um, at that time, we maybe Sorry were this is right in the beginning? You yeah. Could only
1: rent, you could only uh, rent out uh, fleet cars?
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like car, cars owned by, like, uh, essentially cars that have, like, $500 a month insurance on them, right? So, like, okay. pretty expensive, like, com- um, kind of commercial so insurance. So that's what you do. So
1: the first fleet that ran, sorry, the first few vehicles that are on the platform were fleet cars? Yeah, essentially. So you would go to, like, rental companies and ask them to use...
0: Uh, a used car dealership, actually.
1: So used the, car dealership? Yeah,
0: it was a used car dealership. They had, they had um, you know, maybe about, like, 30 cars in their fleet, and they were, like, they were interested in this model. They wanted to kind of expand and, and try, test out different things that they can do with the cars other than just sell, selling them. So, so we convinced you, so
1: them a to... So a uh, used car rental, de- like, a dealership. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: So a, a used uh, car dealership,
1: you'd go to them and tell them, you've all these cars just sitting on your just lot. Just yeah. Just put them on here. You can monetize
0: them while they're sitting there. Exactly, yeah. Was there any
1: concerns about, you know... Extra mileage being put in on them, wear and tear. Uh,
0: well, People yeah. Uh, initially, like all, all of that were like was kind of like on on top of their mind. But uh, as they kind of tested it for a month with only like three cars, they were slowly convinced that um, the 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 income eventually would. So I don't would know be how good. the process was. Mm.
1: I would I would imagine if you don't know anybody in that industry, yeah. it could be a little bit of a negotiation. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. you found these car companies. Like what was the process like? You when. Yeah called them up and you asked them these kind of questions? like
0: Yeah, pretty much like sometimes even just like we walked in and then we, we, we told them what we had. Um, and a lot of them were, weren't interested. They were just like interested in, in you know, uh, kind of keep, you know, not playing around with the different yeah. kind of, business they want model, especially more risky safe. ones. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They wanted that safety and peace of mind. But for us, what we did is that we we, we, we told them about the insurance that we, we could put, put on their cars. And actually, to to minimize like any risk or any kind of friction on their end.
1: Sorry, you're providing extra insurance.
0: Uh, yeah, like well, like we we'd cover the insurance for them. Like okay. they wouldn't have to pay anything out of pocket. And so that that was kind of one of the f- kind of friction points, right? Yes. Yeah. Who's going to pay for that insurance and registration and all these costs that come with um, even testing the platform? Uh, so like you've ours, used yeah. it for them to use the platform. Pretty much, it. yeah. We took it, we took those costs over, and then we um, even at like during some certain times where where there were like kind of low bookings for the car. We'd guarantee them an extra kind of bonus in order to keep them satisfied on the platform. And then uh, we, we would go out and try to really get people to book these cars mm-hmm. like over and over. And then eventually uh, they, they, they would get to a point where we, we wouldn't need to do any like bonus earnings or anything like that. They'd be making, uh, you know, their booking earnings through the app right. um, and- So well, talking about friction points. I mean, yeah. What
1: was that point? Like, was it one dealer that you finally convinced over a period of time? To come on, or was it a series of dealers just
0: yeah. So at that point, because we we still weren't launch or at uh, launch yet, so we were just like we had a pilot out, and we were like, this well, for MVP
1: for your chatbot out? Yeah, exactly.
0: So yeah. we still had the chatbot at the time. I think this was like in October twenty seventeen. So like maybe two three months after we had that uh, chatbot out, we were like, we should we should go out and get more cars because you know, the one car that we had was getting booked over and over, and so we were like, we had customers waiting on that car, right? So we're like okay, it's time to go out and get more cars, right? So um, that's, a, that's a question that we we always get asked, like, how do you kind of balance the supply and demand? And it was really based on kind of one demand that we had uh, for, for one car. And then once kind of the demand was too high for that one yeah. car, we went out and got supply. So um, we, that we, we convinced one dealership to kind of partner up with us at that time. And, um, again, they supplied us with, like, so three cars. What, what
1: vehicle did you start yeah. with? Because it seems like you had a vehicle that you – Use the platform first. Yeah. Before you went to anybody else.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Like, what specific vehicle it was? No. You,
1: you had your own vehicle. You put up online.
0: Yeah. Or? Pretty much. It was our own car. Yeah. It was like. Uh, and it, it was this one car that you had up run, running. Exactly. It was just one run car, like twenty four seven. Even even when we what we wanted to use it, like we'd go through the app. Yeah. To really get the experience of the user and everything and see like, on, on their end what it would look like, how much it would cost, and all of those. Okay. Um, so you validated from your own vehicle. You exactly. You down to get other people to put on. The exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then uh, with with the three cars that that dealership committed and, uh, to Are the you platform, twenty three cars, uh, three cars, three cars. Yeah. Okay. So they, they added those three cars, and then now we had four cars. Right. Yeah. So we went out, got more bookings for them, and eventually we're doing um, you know on average about like one booking every two days, and then eventually one booking every day, kind of for every car. Um, so we were at that point where we, again we needed more cars, uh, and then eventually we had that insurance policy that we could add individual. Uh, individually owned cars, and they wouldn't have to put any commercial insurance on it, so it became a lot more scalable. At that point, we signed up more individuals. We signed up uh, more luxury cars, a lot of nice BMWs, Audis. A lot of uh, luxury cars got added to the platform. At the same time, a lot of like um, other cars. And uh, to your question, like on like how we convinced those people, like because um, they saw how um, kind of the platform worked with those dealership cars. Uh, and we, we got to the point where the, the earnings were decent enough, that really convinced the car owners, like the individual car owners, to, okay. to be convinced and, and uh, want to sign How up How many the cars car. do you have on your platform now? Uh, so right now we're, uh, again, about like 40 listed. Uh, 40. But about, um, on, on a monthly basis, maybe about half of them are actually being shared on the platform. So they at least add, like, one so schedule for a day off, or so. So you can out, take them
1: off, take off the platform, and then re-add them?
0: Uh, yeah, like either, like, like the, well, they're always on the platform, but if they go out, out of schedule then they become kind of a monthly active car owner let's say okay. that's kind of a metric that we have that we keep and track mostly of.
1: they're still like fleet vehicles
0: um now we have uh we do have one like uh, individual owner who is actually um owns multiple cars as well so similar model um it's kind of like when you look at airbnb where you have like you know, people who, who actually do this for a living and get Our professionals. Get, or yeah, exactly. Like like they actually use Airbnb as a business to get like multiple places and rent them out. And then you have individuals who just have their own kind of one place. Uh, so, yeah, we, we do have kind of the same model. Like we have one, one individual doing this where they have like four cars, 24-7 shared. Yeah. Uh, and then we have individuals who are also kind of filling the gap.
1: So What's the profile look like of somebody who wants to rent out their vehicle? I feel like that's yeah. a specific kind of need for
0: that. Yeah, exactly. So um, it comes down to kind of multiple things. One is like the need for the income. Like if they want, if they can use an extra four or five hundred dollars a month, um, you know, while their car is sitting parked and they're not using it all the time, then that's that's a perfect fit. That's where that's what we're looking is for. Is that what gender or, you
1: see people just looking for extra income?
0: Yeah, essentially, like like that. especially like for the for those who might work out of home or like they're. Um, yeah, you know, they have two cars or three cars and they use all of them all the yeah. time, right? So um, there's really those kind of uh, type of customers that we have who, who mm-hmm. like the platform, who actually come out, sign up and stay on the, uh, keep their car on the platform once they see their earnings come in.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's flip back, up back to the users, people who actually rent the cars. Yeah. Um, you said people are most likely, but generally people use it for like the two hour trips. Yeah. The like short-term mm-hmm. trips. Um, I know there are more uh, more usage now. A lot of people are not owning their own vehicles. Yeah. A lot of mm-hmm. people are not buying vehicles as they used to. Right. The sharing economy becomes more and more. Do you see this? Um, you see the trend now. Millennials who are not buying vehicles use these yeah. vehicles more. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how has the user uh, like the study been on uh, the people using the app, people who want to use the app? Yeah. Has yeah. Have you yeah. any data to share?
0: Oh, well. Um, yeah, so we, we like we see that trend, and that's that's kind of like helping us on, on the on the user end, right? Because people, um, you know, instead of having to buy a car and and uh, have it parked, I think the average uh, car is parked like ninety five percent of the time or so. So yeah. instead of having that and paying like an average eight hundred dollars a month to own that car, they can I use one, uh, you know, through platforms like ours or even uh, other platforms that are maybe closer to them. And so um, at that point, I think like. Eventually, like down the road, we'll get to that point where, especially in bit, like more dense cities and busier cities, we'll see more and more people adopt to that model. As as we're already seeing today as well, like even with ride sharing, a lot of people just like take a, take a uh, you know ride with someone else to get from one point to another. So it's it's we're seeing that trend definitely happen, and definitely. I think eventually we'll get to that point where like more people will will use a car through you know any of the platforms, right? Than than to own one. Mm-hmm. So. When did you start
1: working on this problem? Like, How did it uh, stand out to you?
0: Yeah, uh, so it goes back to uh, end of, or <coughs> early 2016, actually. So, okay. um, well, I had the idea for like maybe I- about a year and I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, I was uh, living at my parents uh, in uh, Richmond Hill and uh, there was a lot of cars that were basically just kind of parked o- um, throughout the day. Uh, every time I, you know, would so I didn't own a car at that time. So I, I would walk. I would just take the bus. I would take a bike, and I would just kind of drive or, you know, bike down uh, with see, like watching all these cars like part. And I was like, there has to be something in the middle that, that could allow me to use this car to just go to my meeting and come back, or go to the gym and come back. So mm-hmm. when was this around? Uh, so or like time-wise, yes. this is like May 2016. 2016. Yeah, yeah. were you yeah. a university student? I, I was actually working on another startup at that time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. yeah. So I was um, uh, basically doing that and then uh, didn't own a car, but everywhere I had to go, I would like be forced to kind of either walk and especially like in yeah. a rural area, like it's pretty, it's not, nothing's like kind of close, uh, close by. So you, you got to like walk at least 15. 20 where were you to get from? Uh, Richmond Hill. Richmond Hill. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Richmond Hill being rural
0: area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I don't think it's a Richmond Hill much of a rural area, but understanding completely. In yeah. yeah, Richmond Hill area, like, a lot of people own these vehicles that sit around most of the time. Exactly, yeah. And uh, being especially someone who doesn't have access to a vehicle and seeing these vehicles sitting there, mm-hmm. you start putting it together saying that, like, why can't I get access to these vehicles if I need to?
0: Exactly, yeah, so it was just like out of personal need. and. Um, so, and, th- and the problem, especially especially in that area, was, like, just the distances, right? The distances yeah. are, are so long, right? So uh, I, there's a lot going on in Richmond and everything, but, like, to get there was at least, like, 20 minutes. Like, my gym was, like, 30-minute walk, yeah. and the 30-minute walk back is, like, 60 minutes, right? So um, at that point, I just, like, preferred to walk <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get a workout done. So, uh, but, yeah, like, essentially, like, that's, that's, that's what I saw, like, the personal need that I had for it. And wasn't really sure how to start, and I knew, like, the insurance is going to be uh, kind of the challenge to get um, and so, I wasn't, wasn't really sure about it until I shared the idea with one of my friends. And, and at that time, he wanted to start something as well. And so, that's kind of how we got together and we started Shiff, right?
1: Okay. So, is your co founder?
0: What's that? Is your friend your co founder? Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: perfect. And uh, so he's the technical side to it?
0: Or? Uh, well, yeah, kind of tech, tech slash business, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, so, sorry, so are you the coder or is he, he the coder? So, or he you guys so both coding?
0: He, so we had so he was coding for for a bit. So he's he's actually not part of the co- company anymore. But uh, when he was part of the company, he would kind of do half the coding, half the business side. I would do more of the design slash marketing side of things. Um, I, I coded the app as well, so uh, I do a bit of everything, right? Okay, so Yeah. Um, and.
1: Um, and how do you learn these skills? Like where how do you pick it up?
0: Yeah. So like pretty much throughout like high school. At the end of high school, I guess I picked up iPhone development. Um, on online pretty much like I was using uh, kind of drag and drop apps where you don't need to code at, at first you know so uh, I used that so I kind of got comfortable with like making games uh, for iPhone that was like around the time when like iPhone was just or the app store just got uh, basically released like uh, and got launched on iPhone mm-hmm. Like a, I think it was like a year after iPhone released like 2009 or 2010 um, so at that time like uh, there was a lot of demand for like games and apps and when, when you put your game on, on the App Store, you had a you know pretty likelihood of getting a couple downloads. You know now it's like become a lot more competitive, of course. Uh, but at that time, you know I thought it was uh, it was a perfect thing to yeah. kind of test. I was I was interested in, in kind did of did you put anything up? Uh yeah, I I, I launched like a couple. Couple of games, about like four or five games at that time, cool. I really just shared it uh, in high school with my, my with my what friends. What kind of and, games? Um, like puzzle games and things like that, right? Where you, like challenging games where you have to like go through multiple levels and stuff. Um, and it was all it was all done through like the the drag and drop coding kind of app, so I didn't write any lines of code. It was just mostly like uh, just basic logic that you needed. Um, so uh, it was a good kind of uh, foot in the door towards like. I, like iPhone app development, I wasn't sure if like this is something I'd at the time, but okay. uh, once I started doing it and started seeing people like download the app um, and, and use it, and it was it was it became really interesting that like something, you know, uh, so easy, like you can just push it out to like so many people throughout. Um, yeah. Sorry. What kind iPhones. of games?
1: Uh, you said like puzzle apps. Yeah. Puzzle games, that kind of things. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Like uh, at that time, I think like a lot of those games were like like physics/puzzle where you oh, yeah. you have used, like, the physics, to use like physics stuff yeah to like, yeah. move stuff around and uh uh one one of, my, one of the games i made like it was it was called owl hunter so you had to get kind of this owl into into a cage um and then you'd have to use kind of physics rules and everything to to get that owl kind of gliding towards the right path and everything yeah. so uh it was at that point i put it up for like 99 cents uh, and then uh, I, I made a free version, so that free version really helped, like, got about, like, 10,000 10, to 15,000 maybe downloads. Nice. So that that brought in a lot of people towards the, the yeah. paid uh, app.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. And you did it in high school?
0: Yeah, yeah. This was at the end of high school. So that, that's kind of, like, um, how I kind of became interested in, in, in this stuff. And I was also on the yearbook team and everything doing yeah. design um, Photoshop, things like that. And that's how kind of how I got my experience with design. Yeah. And marketing was just really in the middle. When I was, like, launching my, my apps and things like that, I had to just get out and, and get, tell people about it. And so over time, that's kind of really how I got the experience.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, before you came in, we, we were just talking about how, um, like, YouTube now, you can find almost everything there. You can learn, yeah. you can learn any kind of skill. Exactly. Um, and, now, and especially nowadays, it's become more and more right. uh, information out there. Um, I remember like twenty thirteen when I was trying to get these kind of sources. Back then, yeah. it was not as much resourcing. No, A lot of the stuff is yeah. very still technical. Yeah, and there's no yeah, video yeah. walkthroughs and how to how to how to make these different things, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, still you still just picked it up months. yourself, going through forums, that kind of thing, or
0: pretty much, yeah. Like uh, like kind of uh, you know googling my way through like making an app yeah. um, and. Um, like w- lots of YouTube videos as well. I was also like in computer science at, uh, like I was taking computer science classes as well okay. in high school, so that helped a little bit. Uh, you know, every time I, w- I was stuck on something, I'd also get uh, you know advice from my computer science uh, teacher as well, so that kind of helped, and then um, that, yeah, that's pretty much like where and I And you learned, did yeah. computer
1: science in university as well? Uh, yeah, exactly. At Waterloo? Yeah, at Waterloo, At Waterloo, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was a complete specialty, or?
0: um, Like my specialty, or? Yeah. Well, a little bit. Like I, w- I would say like I'm more on the kind of design side. Okay. Because I started design like a lot earlier, like when I was twelve. Uh yeah, I was already like doing kind of animations on Flash and, and stuff like that. And so um yeah, I'm more I would say I'm more of a designer than coder, but I can code. Nice. If I if I have to, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So you had this whole
1: background in tech and uh especially
0: in the design side. Yeah.
1: What was the inspiration for that? Why why'd you go down that path?
0: Yeah, um uh, so like goes back to kind of my experience in high school as well when I was on like the yearbook team and designing posters and stuff for different events mm-hmm. um, one one day I was actually designing uh t shirts for one event that that came up uh and my my t-shirt wanted kind of a nice design for the for these t shirts uh, so I started making it for about maybe a couple couple weeks uh eventually made it sent it sent it in and it was like every other design for me at the time, so I wasn't really sure like w- you know what it's going to come out like and everything and eventually um one day we actually came back from like a trip uh you know in school um it was maybe around like 4 p.m after school so i i you know accidentally walked into the library and then uh my left was like a group of like 100 people wearing that t-shirt right that i designed okay. so it was just like that experience was like just incredible like being able to see my design kind of come to action and seeing people use it even yeah. though it was like you know um just couple couple people, couple maybe a hundred people wearing my T-shirt, but still that's the easy. fact that I yeah. helped design that, it felt good, right? So like I, at that so time, was like it like wasn't like for an event or? Yeah, it was for an event in school. So like once I saw that, I was like, it's like building things and just seeing people use it, like yeah. kind of delivered a lot of value and like like gave me happiness, right? So that's that's why I was like, this is something that I want to explore more and like and just create stuff and build stuff and and launch them. Uh, so after that, I, I did a couple projects while I was in university. Yeah. Um, uh, like even from like, uh, like my friend and I started like a wool, wool tie company, right? Mm-hmm. So we'd make like wool ties uh, and we launched on Kickstarter uh, sold about 200 ties. But nice. uh, anything from that to like more apps that I made for the, on the app store and stuff. Uh, yeah. So you've always been a hustler. Oh, just making yeah. things on the side, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Just like, like I, I love like, seeing my creation come to life and seeing people use it, and, uh, or if not, like just learning from it and moving on, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool.
1: So your motivation more for entrepreneurship comes from the act of creating new things and putting them out to market and yeah. seeing other people adopt it. Yeah. That's where your satisfaction comes from?
0: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's the business side? How do you fund all this? How do you keep things going?
0: Um, right. Like, they kind of the, the idea generation or, like, in general? Yeah, I mean, in general, like, it's yeah. great to have passion projects. Right? Yeah, Either yeah, yeah.
1: Aside, it's fun. Mm-hmm. But something like Chef Ride. Yeah. I'm assuming this is your full-time yeah. activity right yeah, now. Yeah. When did it become a full-time?
0: Uh, Never. Well, like right, like, right when we started, like, I, I, I kind of built it full-time. At that time, me and my co-founder had this, like, mentality that we should... If we're working on a startup and we're doing we're it together, full-time. we should go full-time. Right. Because we I actually... Met him like earlier when i actually got into school like uh, university of waterloo Mm -hmm. and uh this is back in like 2013 so for about three years we worked on small projects here and there and uh we believed like it didn't work out because like we were we weren't spending all the time uh or full time like kind of on that and uh it was partially true right more like because of the fact that like if there was school on the side we have to focus on that and so um, at the same time we had this project so it, it didn't give us the full opportunity so that's why like when we started Chef Fry, we we decided you know go full-time or just don't do it at all so we, we went full-time with it um, but right now I don't have that mentality so if I if there was someone who, who came to me and said I had an idea I would I would tell them you know regardless of what your situation is whether you're working full-time or part-time or you're a student full-time I would say you know you can still make it work until you get to that point where you can turn it full-time,
1: yeah. Awesome, mm-hmm. yeah, um, like, there's a very big divide on this. Yeah. It's two schools of thought. People who are like, yeah, keep your idea as a, so, like, as a part-time project Yeah. Or a side hustle, mm-hmm. and get it up and running first on the side while having, maintaining a full-time gig or full-time employment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you wanna have a steady, steady, uh, steady income and plan B, mm-hmm. and anything you can do full-time, you, can, you know, and build up slowly over, over a part-time basis, yeah. get it up and running, get it revenue positive, and then slowly transition to a full-time. Right. And mm-hmm. then there's other people on the other side who thought, like, like, no way, this can take too long, you need to move fast, you, yeah. you, know, you know what works and what doesn't, and you need to learn as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. better to just leave what you're doing you and full-time focus on this, do or die, no plan B, right. very aggressive yeah. high-risk-take kind of endeavor. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, no, no, neither side has really won out yet. Right. It really depends on the entrepreneur and the idea itself of the you Yeah, what yeah exactly. Um, like what are your thoughts on that? Like, you went full-time into this. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. Was that because of your age you were able to do that because, you know, you didn't have much
0: commitments? Yeah. Or I something that you would always do? Right. Well, well, again, like, when I started, like, making startups and projects and, and things like that, I was I was in school, right? So, like, full-time. Yeah. So, uh, it started part-time for me and... Uh, it, it has its, like, disadvantages, right? So you don't get to, you know, have yep. have your mind on it full time and everything, or, or all the time, right? So that's the idea, is, like, as an entrepreneur, there's no kind of turn-off button, so once yeah. you have an idea in your head and you really want to build it, you know, if, if you're not working on it, you're probably thinking about it. Um, so that that's the challenging part. Some people can do it, like, some people can balance those two things, but for most people, it's it's really difficult. So uh, it depends, especially on the situation, right? So, like, if... if um, If, let's say, you can get your idea up and running with, like, a small MVP that you put together in, like, two weekends and you can get to profitability, let's say, in, like, a couple months and your kind of your idea is, like, shaped like that, then you can probably, you know, do it part-time. But if it's something, let's say, you're working on a health tech product and uh, um, it takes, you know, a couple years to get um, regulations and everything sorted, uh, then you'd probably better off to, to raise investment, let's say, and work on it full-time or something like that, right? So that uh, d- depends on the project and depends on the person and their yep. situation. For me, when I was starting ShareFright, um, I was, uh, a, you know, because I was working on my previous startup full-time as well, I had that mentality that, you know, I, um, you know I, I, I love dedicating, like, all my time to a startup just because of the fact that it's always, like, on your mind, right? So you might Mm -hmm. as well just be working on it all the time if you can, right? So at that time I had the option, so I I, I took it, you know, I, it, it it was faster, but at the same time for us, the insurance kind of getting the insurance policy built still took a long time. So for the first year of Shift Right, even though we were full-time, we couldn't do that much, right? So we, we were, I mean, we were like doing market research and things like that and seeing if people will use the product, but, um, we could have potentially been working on it part-time and still gotten the same result after we got the r- kind of our insurance policy and everything then go full-time. So I don't think, like, like, I think if I go back, it wouldn't really make too big of a difference uh, in that first year or so, right? But if, if it was a project where I could build an MVP and uh, I wasn't restrained by, like, an insurance policy to come in and things like that, then I would probably, like, launch it regardless of, of whether I'm full-time or part-time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, 100% like um and i mean that's great right being able to put so much time and effort into a project i think it deserves that yeah and you have a good idea like it deserves like your full attention span. yeah yeah and i definitely fall in that camp where it's like yeah I mean like if you do something go in head first mm-hmm. completely and do that I, otherwise you're not going to learn fast enough to like respond to um refine your idea to work yeah like. yeah
0: yeah absolutely mm-hmm.
1: how about yourself like When you started shift ride, like what has been the pitfalls what has been the pivots you've had to do um i mean i'm sure it has to change over the past two years
0: yeah absolutely so it i I would say the biggest one or the not the pitfall but the challenge that we had was was Mm -hmm. like that insurance policy that we needed to have like essentially like we you know in, in order for our product to work we need to Take on that risk and and have a, have an insurance uh, provided for every trip, which is what we have right now, right? So, uh, in order to get that you know up and running, uh, we we had to work with an insurance company on a, on a completely new policy because it didn't exist at that time. Um, so we that was that was kind of like the, our our first kind of big challenge that we had, uh, and. Uh, the, the kind of the pivot that we had to make because of that was was the fact that we went to a car dealership and had their car sign up. Because in, in, in our mind, we were just going to go straight straight to individuals. Uh, and we had like a wait list of, uh, I think at, at the time when we were launching the, the the pilot, about maybe 100 people who said they'd be interested in sharing their car on the platform. So we had that like wait list. And then we had, on the other side, wait list of maybe 400, 500 people who wanted to use those cars. Uh, or use the platform one, once it's launched. So we just wanted to kind of um, launch and, you know, get the car signed up, get the users to use the pl- uh, the platform. We thought it's going to be simple, but it wasn't, right? Yeah. It's, never, it's never like kind of a straight line. So we, because of that, yeah, yeah, exactly. So because of that, we'd have to kind of go around and first launch with our own car, like just one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, or do kind of a pilot with it uh, or an MVP. And once we did that, then we had to go to the to the dealerships. So that was a slight pivot in our business model, and it still kind of exists today. Where uh, it's been built into the product that if you if you have multiple cars on 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 Ride, you can you probably make a decent amount of money because of the kind of the infrastructure we put in place throughout that time for for these fleet owners. Um, so yeah, that's kind of I would say the biggest kind of I guess changes since we started Ride. Um mm-hmm.
1: That's awesome. So. Let's talk a little more about like future endeavors, like where you're gonna pivot to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talked a little bit about like learnings you've had to come through. Yeah. What do you predict that you have to become, in order to meet the challenges of tomorrow? Yeah. Expand into the GTA and move forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, it's a great question. Um, Yeah, for us, like, like expansion is next, and the way the way we can do it, like, the fastest is is kind of what we're looking for, right? So um i don't have a like clear like kind of crystal clear answer to that but what a couple things that we're testing is for example like month-long kind of bookings like subscriptions to to a car so um Mm -hmm. for those people especially that you you touched on they don't need a car but they want to use one um we were thinking about launching subscription models where people can subscribe to a car uh whether it's provided by by your local dealership or an individual who owns again multiple cars um, you can use the car on a monthly basis and then drop it off when you don't need it or switch into another car. So maybe in the winter, you can drive an SUV. In the summer, you can, you can you know, book out a convertible. Um, and that, that idea has been around for some time. It's still uh, you know, developing. Um, we, we'd ha- we have even like, um, car companies testing that as well. Like we had, uh, I think, Porsche testing it. And we had, um, I believe, uh, G- like GM ha- had its own pilot with that as well. So um, they're all testing that model as well. So that's, that's one thing that could get us to like a bigger kind of expansion. Um, and of course, like launching to the GTA is definitely next for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so so giving, giving more people access to a car because our, our company is kind of uh, really location focused right now. So like yeah. we, we, we have the operation, but we can only really service in Waterloo right now because the cars that we have signed up are there. But once we have the you know, more cars signed up in the GTA, then we can launch here. And so we'd have that um, kind of restriction. Not so be there how are you anymore. finding
1: yeah. renters right now? Like right now you've been hustling on your own, talking to the dealerships, talking to yeah. people directly. How do you plan on expanding that? Like how do you find reaching people who
0: want it? Yeah, so actually like a lot of our car owners are, are coming through like word of mouth or, or even like hearing from other people, maybe even the users, like their friends own a car and they tell their friends about it or like um, or they see Share ride car on the streets and with, with like a share sticker, so they're interested. So they search it up and they mm-hmm. come to the platform. Um, but we also have like um, you know fa- kind of some Facebook ads and things yep. like that here and there to get people into the kind of the funnel and see if this is really for them. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the main channels we're using right now.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I think um, one of Uber's best moves was uh, the referral system they had. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Drivers refer to each other ride right. drivers refer other drivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think at its peak, Uber was giving like five thousand dollars, something per referral, like something crazy, yeah, some crazy yeah, yeah. number. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember one of the um, highest paid guys, one of the earliest Uber drivers that signed up for the app very early on, mm-hmm. and he, after signing up for with Uber, got into an accident. Oh, okay. And uh, he actually, I think it was uh, half-paralyzed, something like that, and it was pretty, se- pretty severe. Mm. Anyways, while he was in recovery was in the hospital, he started referring people on the app. Yeah. First, a friends of the family, then on Reddit and online, and he made a lot of money. It's like, ridiculous. Like yeah. 200000 or $2 million. Oh, wow. Just referrals. Right. Um, because he was early on, and yeah. people were joining up through his app, uh, through his platform, even online. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, yeah he, he made that money. And, uh, right. He and was, he was like... Yeah, it's one of the highlights of re- uses growth strategy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I'm using people who are motivated to go out and find other people. Yeah, and um, even after a big accident, other.
0: right? Yeah. Even after a big accident. Yeah, I mean so he was still yeah. able
1: to like you know monetize himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even uh, like DoorDash recently right. when he was there expanding in Toronto, um, we were actually talking to them and uh, we talked to the operations team. Yeah. They were offering like two thousand five hundred dollars per driver referred.
0: Wow. Okay. People. Interesting. Uh, I
1: mean, DoorDash is now worth 16 billion dollars. They can yeah, throw money yeah, at this yeah. problem, right? And just uh, get the market to respond. Okay, yeah. we'll throw an extra amount, amount of people. We want 800 drivers in this area. The two million dollar campaign. We'll pay X amount for per yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So we're seeing these like gig economy kind of companies coming in, and everybody be like uh, coming in. And basically, what they do is they get a scalable app, mm-hmm. get a whole infusion of capital, use that capital to grow exp- expand very quickly. Yeah. using like these kind of strategies. Yeah. Right instead mm-hmm. of having like a middle management or like ads or anything like that just give direct conversation. yeah go to find me someone who does this and meet these requirements signs up and does like 200 rides right boom you get the referral for sure You're yeah outsourcing that entire model mm-hmm. would you guys mm-hmm. go down that path i mean Ye- capital is a big requirement of this. yeah
0: exactly absolutely that's um like like one one of our um competing companies like in in mason get around like they they did even like guaranteed incomes and things like that where they I don't know if they still have the program, but they, when it, when a car signed up and it was on the on the platform for a certain amount of time, they would just give them you know guaranteed six thousand dollars a year to have their car on, on the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think definitely like we 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 kind of experimented that like you know w- without much capital right so when we had for example the dealership signed up we, we guaranteed some sort of income for them to keep them on the platform so i think yeah definitely it's a great great way to grow we also did that on the user side and provide we provide users like uh you know ten dollars off their first trip to come test the platform and use it and see if they like it uh and that that's worked really well yeah. so we uh but yeah if kind of if we provide something where on both sides, it would, yeah. people can actively refer, uh, you know, whether users referring car owners or car owners referring users. Um, I think it would, yeah, definitely that, that, would, that would help us uh, grow. And um, that's definitely one thing we can do after we, we raise some money. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, of course, is like affiliate marketing. It's yeah. huge for this, these kind of models. Um, you know Someone with a podcast who has some kind of following, mm-hmm. an influencer, etc. Give them the link, uh, yeah. the ability to make any kind of their own affiliate link and just pop it into their feed or their content. Yeah. yeah Where yeah. If it clicks in and signs up, the person gets paid. Right. There's so much like, interesting like, models out there now to use technology to get other people to do work for you. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. They reach yeah. out for you, marketing for you. Yeah. Ad- yeah. Um, Seeing everything shift towards that. Yeah. But all of this g- comes down to capital. Yeah. And one of the worries about this is that if the access to capital is not e- equal, Yes. For whatever reason, you have a great products, great service, but like, this is mixing, that's mixing, or you don't have the, the network yeah, yeah. or understanding of how to pitch it to capital. right? People who have access to capital can put in inferior products and launch it and expand it fa- fa- like, uh, really rapidly mm. because they have the money and the technology inf- exists. Yeah. I put in capital, these results come in. Right. Um, people who have money are out-competing people who don't or yeah. access to capital. Yeah. What are yeah. your thoughts on that?
0: yeah no that's just a great point um well I think like not having capital also gives you the advantage of like having to move quicker right mm-hmm. to 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 compete with those people who have capital right so uh I don't think like it's if if let's say you're you you want to start something in a space where there's lots of uh lots of companies that that have lots of capital then um you, you shouldn't be disappointed just because they have capital you know so um, I think like if you find a version of the product to create that that differentiates you and really gets people interested in your product um initially it's it 's better for you to actually like you know go out and really meet those early adopters who actually don 't care about referral programs or extra capital they just want to really um, you know provide provide um a service or, wh- or whatever you 're looking for from that customer to you um to 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 really test out the platform and help you get you know yeah. get there right so um, when, you're, when you're talking about like, those early adopters, then the capital ma- matters less. So it's, uh, it becomes a bit harder to find those early adopters. But once you do, you really get, put yourself in a position where you can test out your product without having much capital. And getting it to a point where, where then because of the growth and because of people using it and those early adopters coming and leaving good testimonies, let's say, or good reviews and stuff... Then you can use that to go out and get capital. So um, that's that's kind of been our strategy as well. Like the people who are sharing their car, like like I told you, some people signed up luxury like cars that are like 60, 70 k in value, like on ShareFry. And I was surprised myself. I was like, you know, why why would these people do that? Like we had like um, uh, like two two BMW, like four series, like one owner who was sharing two BMWs, and I was like, that's just crazy. And and really like once you when, you know I talked to them and everything, they they're really that kind of early adopter of of this platform. Um, same customers actually uh, kind of using our platform right now as well when when their cars out they would use our platform so once once you have someone like that where you they fall in love with your product and they really want to support you as that early doctor then the capital matters less right so they're there for that true value and so if you're able to get there without capital then i think that's that's probably like the best way to go about it. spoke like a true yeah. product person, right? Like yeah. If you can build the best product, like the idea is that- Exactly. It, you're allowed compete everybody. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And um, yeah, I think that it's very important to build things that are very consumer centric, right? Yeah. You build it for the for the user in the end, the end user, so that it's built to actually solve problems for them. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Because um, on,
0: the, on the reverse side of that, we see yeah. a lot of people who, who might have ideas and uh, if they have like easier access to capital let 's say or they're they 're in a situation where they can get capital, a lot of people put capital into that idea and it, and it fails right so it 's not guaranteed always that if you have if you have money that you can put into the product would you know people would come right so um, yeah so it's I would say it 's better to to you know uh, not not have to require or, or kind of have have money as your or as your first requirement to starting a company right so definitely mm-hmm.
1: definitely. Um, how's that journey been for you? I know you guys are raising capital right now. Yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. Are in a pair raising, um, are you open with how much you're raising? And
0: yeah, so we're uh, well we're raising right now a million uh, seed round. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, for like until now, kind of what we did is just kind of a fa- family friends round uh, of like 50k as well as like grand competitions and things like yeah. that. And here and there, uh, of about like 60k, so we have about 100k kind of in funding in total. So, uh, and and uh, right now, we're raising that million to really expand kind of throughout GTA, uh, yep. other cities, uh, especially other student cities who, who, so who that have the so million dollar raise.
1: Is meant for just pure expa- play expansion Pretty much, into yeah. the GTA mostly. Yeah, mostly GTA yeah, Absolutely,
0: and also yeah. launching Android app as well. Okay,
1: yeah. so you're mostly on
0: iOS right uh, now. All on iOS right all now. On iOS. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Are you on the web as well?
0: Uh, no web right now. So because uh, like our platform is like very kind of on demand and everything. So mm-hmm. we we created the whole experience on iPhone. Yeah.
1: Was there a reason why you didn't do like a web responsive web application?
0: Um, well, like, the the biggest, or not the biggest, but, like, one of the reasons is, like, I a lot of companies, like, a lot of startups, like, launch on iPhone. Um, and I don't know if there's, like, stats around I think there, there are some stats around it that a lot of the kind of iPhone users are, are those early adopters, or a lot of those early adopters have iPhones or something like that. So that's yeah. why we built it that way. And also the fact that, like, I, I knew I, iPhone development as well, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's that's mainly why. We had some features also into the, in the, in, the, I, I, uh, in the iPhone app that like, were pretty, pretty hard to uh, kind of reproduce Replica, the same in yeah. the web. Yeah, replicate them in the web apps, like, especially like, like a video walk around in the car. So before every trip, you know, walk around the car, take videos and things like that, like that, that were yeah, okay. comp- more complex, yeah.
1: Definitely, okay. Um, so yeah, so a little bit of development on the Android side, the website mm-hmm. will be required and then you want to push it for expansion. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, how's that feedback been like?
0: yeah uh it's it's good uh we just basically need to kind of show the growth and everything so uh right now as 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 we're getting like ready to raise like we're basically expanding our fleet in in waterloo signing up more cars there uh and really get getting that cycle like going uh and potentially even other cities like nearby like guelph maybe london so we're working on those yeah so um that that helps us kind (coughs) of you know show show masters that there's there's a demand there yeah and so that's i uh, it's yes, like that's mostly kind of what we're what we're waiting for, is that growth, yeah.
1: Definitely. So without any, and say, and sorry, any capital infusion coming in right now, mm-hmm. how's the growth trajectory? Rate like? Yeah. Still
0: so we like on average we're looking at around like maybe 20% kind of monthly growth right now. Um so word of mouth, mostly. What's that? Mostly word of mouth. Uh, yeah, mostly word of mouth. Some some again like promotions and and stuff for the user side. So like the users come in. and and test out the platform, you know, and get $10 off the first ride and then eventually come out and book, book and drive the car more and more. Um, that's paid out like paid really well because like m- most of the customers come back and book multiple times. Uh, and actually right now we have a retention rate of 50% monthly, so uh, it's like really great because like half our customers come back every month and use the platform. Um, so yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about competitors. Yeah. Right. Um, so a competitor for you will be like Turo. Yeah. Which is American American uh, company that does similar, pretty much yeah. a similar concept. Yeah, uh, they launched into ca- Canada like I like think last year. Right. They don't have much traction. Uh, they mm-hmm. came, so I think, uh, mostly to Toronto, and like Montreal region, Ottawa, um, and they didn't get much traction there. Yeah. Right. Can you talk a little bit about why that was, or what's going on in Toronto?
0: Yeah. Um, so I would say like um, for for their their platform like the type of cars that they need or the, the the types of trips that that's taken on the platform is is it uh, might be a bit of a harder sell so for, to get people to to give up their car for I believe they're from what I heard like average trips are maybe three four days long so uh, for someone to not have their car uh, out you know available for three four days it sometimes it's, it's, it's not worth it right so like especially if they work so their model far. goes by day yeah their mod- models by by day whereas like our, our models by the hour and or day so and our average trips are about like two and a half to three hours long right so we we see those th- those types of trips not be as kind of um, as much of a friction point to those corridors so my my, my guess would be that i know they're also growing as, as well now a little bit kind of more more on that side i've seen some some f- People like sharing multiple cars as well on their platforms. I think, like, um, like definitely they're, you know, they're knowing they're they're learning how to kind of um, get to the right audience of car owners as well. So, um, but that, those, that's my my guess as to why it's a bit been a bit harder. And also, like, you know, especially with Airbnb when they first came out, you know, not everyone jumped on board and said, mm-hmm. "I want to rent out my place to strangers," right? So uh, it's the learning the, curve. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Learning curve it takes some time, and so. Uh, especially when you launch in a new market, like you need you need to have again those early adopters, uh, and then eventually you get your early majority p- people come come in, and then those late majority and laggards who are like at the end, right? So uh, it it takes some time for 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 like any sure, platform. I'm sure yeah. as
1: you're out pitching this out your app and your are uh, you plan to move, this question comes up a lot, right? Like yeah, your competitors are in the space already. Yeah, all right, they're so much bigger or funded, like. What's your feedback on that? Yeah, can you explain this. that your yeah. model is different.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we like the biggest biggest one is that flexibility, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, the fact that we made it so that you can use the platform for however long you you, you want it, right? So that gives uh, both the car owners and the users flexibility uh, to to use the platform how they want it, right? So, um, if 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 you want to, you know, if you want to run errands around town and your neighbor has a car, you know, you you don't need to, you don't need the car for the whole day. You can take it out for however long you need it for a couple of hours, four or five hours and go around. And your that's energy been back. Yeah, so th- has the Yeah. Uh, so
1: like, uh, what I'm trying to
0: figure out, is like, yeah. I've experienced as well when you're out pitching, right? Yeah. A lot of like,
1: um, I guess, uh, not naysayers, but people who are just like, they don't, it doesn't click to them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They see it like, okay, there's a problem set, but only for a certain community or right. they downplay it or they don't understand the problem as much. Yeah. Or they see too many risks, like a big competitor in the space. Or yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how has that been for you as a founder? To like.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, like, I usually have the same answer, and that's like the, the market, right? The market kind of speaks for itself, right? Yeah. So, um, I don't. I don't think that like uh, the kind of the car sharing space is, or the car rental space, especially in the peer-to-peer aspect of it, has been. Uh, saturated yet or even right. close to that right yeah. so we still that's people are not really yeah like if you if we talked about like the the car sharing space the traditional car sharing space where companies would buy cars and put them in specific parking spots and everything like then uh they're not agree that like you know at that at that point with the capital and with you know how much capital is even required to start something like that because yeah. of you needing to buy those cars yeah. and everything then uh it's it's more challenging to to start a company like that than than let's say marketplace where with very little funding, you can get, uh, you know, some growth. So um, that's that's why, like, uh, you know, the answer is like, I believe the market still needs more, more and more access to cars. So um, location is like a big one, right? So a lot of a lot of we, we have some competitors in, in Waterloo, but uh, the ones who take us is because, uh, the, or the customers who take us take us because the car is available in their building, right? So Chef Rides available in their building as opposed to. Uh, let's say another another competitor that they need to walk ten minutes to get to right so uh, I think it's still we're still in that, especially as as we see the market on, on the user side uh, become less and less interested in buying cars then the demand's gonna grow right so and so we need more companies in the space to come in and, and and fulfill the need and so um uh, yeah, I think like we'll definitely be one of them do you guys
1: see yourself like a, a double sided market space where you're you're pretty much one side of the market is the people who want to rent cars. Yeah. And the other side, people who want, yeah. who want to provide cars rent. Exactly. Is that how you see it? As a, you're pretty much a platform that connects it to. Absolutely. Yeah. Is the experience different for either side? Like for your app, let's say the rundown. Like yeah. Because iOS, I, think, I don't think I can bring it up here. Right. But mm-hmm. um, if you're a renter, do you have a different application or are you using the same application?
0: Yeah. So right now, the application is actually just, just for the, the renter or the user side. Uh, the coroner have like a web portal that they log into, uh, and from there they can see the bookings that they 've had, uh, how much they earned on those on that specific booking you um, up your website oh yeah, absolutely
1: so that 's your website you can go to the website yeah
0: pretty much like so as as a coroner, we just give you a specific URL that you go to, you log in. Uh, and you, you see kind of how much um, money you've made on, the, on those platforms. And this is kind of like a calculator that yeah. we put up. So as a car owner, you can, you know, based on how much your car is worth or where everything, it could fit on the platform, you can get a uh, kind of a monthly or yearly uh, estimate on how so much you- Depending on how hours you put it per month? Yeah, so this is based on hours yeah. and, and kilometers. So if you see like 60 hours and 600 kilometers on average, make you about five, $540 a month. Um, for a car that's mid-range so we're talking about cars that are like 10 over 10k between 10 to 30k so say sure. someone has like a 500 hundred dollar car like yeah can they, they put uh, this up well if they if they if the car is like you know safe and safe to drive and everything and it's passed. how do you verify so sometimes we ask for a safety of a car if it's too old so either it's a safety or or based on again the the yeah. rating of the car so we we sign it up and if a, if a customer reports you know zero. the, the car is not good enough. Then over time we, we we have that rating. If it falls below a certain you know rating, then we don't let the car okay. stay on the platform. Perfect. And zero. then if you no, have luxury a luxury car and you're sharing it, it's also decent. And we've had like uh, the BMW cars we were talking about. Like at at some point, I think they were making like thousands dollars a month. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So right now, what are you looking more for? Are you looking for more users or more people listing?
0: Um, as, as we expand to new cities, definitely new people listing their cars. Yeah. Um, because like any other marketplace, you first need to get the supply site there uh, so that when your demand site comes, they don't, they're not just seeing you know, one car. They're seeing they're looking. This at is the interface right cars. here is what you designed, I'm assuming? Pretty much, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So this is what the booking page will look like uh, before you book. You can get more information about the car, the average ratings, features it has, things like that. Awesome. And you said there's a video. You can you can see a video
1: of the walkthrough, or
0: um, so. So yeah, once you book, um, after this, you, you do a walk around around the car, and you take a video of the car, yep. um, just to know what its condition or anything that's wrong with it. Do so You have a quick video here. Uh, yeah, this already. is pretty much like what we put together. And you can uh, see. I don't
1: think the audio is connected here, but let's check it out. <laughs>
0: So it's pretty much like a use case of someone just pretty much, yeah. Just like the the how quick you can get. And actually we, we flew a drone here to to make okay. this video over the water of the campus. Pretty cool. to go through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much to show the the accessibility and how fast it can be to book a car.
1: Awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Perfect. So let's
1: wrap up. Yeah. Um, what can we see more from the future? uh you're obviously trying to raise more capital yeah um you're trying to expand into new markets new areas yeah yeah, Uh, yeah. are you hiring right now are you expanding your team
0: yeah well uh at this time we're not hiring but just kind of raising and then eventually we're gonna hire in in the in 2020 so like early 2020 for sure and as we mentioned
1: before you're moving from waterloo into toronto yeah so we are
0: that's that's next up on our list for sure to get more cars signed up here we already have a wait list of about i believe like 15 cars that are signed up in in toronto uh, but obviously we want to get that to like maybe 50 or so before we, we open up the market here. Great.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Nima, thank you so much for coming to the show yeah. and sharing all this. Isn't thank great? you for having me. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers.